months ago, U.S. Special Forces launched an assault, killing Ben Khalid and his terrorist organization. Six heroes who risked their lives to stop Ben Khalid from carrying out his threat to attack this country. We're blown. The whole squad. What? Ben Khalid's people found us. Okay, welcome back to the 24th Faithful Podcast. I am Mark Sievercrap. I am pinch hitting as host today as Josh is unavailable. We don't know where he is. Um, hopefully he hasn't been taken captive by Jadala bin Khalid, but we don't know that for sure. Um, joined by Mr. Bradley Adams. What Bradley told me is he's, he's halfway between Buckeye Lake and Hopewell, Ohio. Um, so... Hmm. Welcome from Ohio. Interesting, that little area in between. Um, the clocks didn't go back this weekend, so we're on an hour earlier than I thought we were going to be. <laughs> you can never trust people from Ohio, really. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, uh, Mr. Joel Wood, who always brings such a lively element to the podcast. Joel, welcome. That's that's one way to put it. And uh, Joel was just telling us off air um, that he admires me. So thank you, Joel, for that. I have I no, I have, I have no, re- I have no recollection of that. <laughs> that's okay. Bradley heard it. I, yeah, I, I can, I cannot, I can neither confirm nor deny that that comment was made. <laughs> so we are, we are here, and we're talking about um, twenty-four, obviously, and this is episode seven. And lots to talk about here. Lots of exciting stuff. Uh, Bradley, have you got any uh, feedback or pushback from from any reviews you may or may not have written? Uh, no, I did not actually. Oh. I, I got nothing this week. But then I was more positive that's this a, week. So that's because he, he actually sounded like he enjoyed watching the show this week. <laughs> yeah, I did. So nobody told you to stop watching this week. That's good. No, no, none of that. None of that. <laughs> so as we, as we get started, we should obviously mention. Um, whip clips and the tv showtime app we're grateful to to partner with them if you haven't downloaded that please go do so you can find out as bradley has that you have spent literally months of your life (laughs) watching tv months (laughs) Mm -hmm. we're gonna have to have a a special celebration for bradley when he hits a year joel Uh, yeah some sort of like you know live live uh hang out on air or something where we celebrate the fact that he spent like one-fifth of his life watching tv (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and gets paid for it and gets paid for it that's right that's the best part it's a good hey, it's a good gig if you can get it i mean exactly. i just watched 24 for free <laughs> so let's uh i'm a little jealous let's let's jump in i mean the big news i guess joel is that uh, a certain someone made his appearance joel has been vindicated after years of petitioning writers producers and everybody that would listen and some people that wouldn't listen about Tony three Almeida years to be exact. three years yes so so Joel tell us about that what was your impression of your man Tony well I kind of got a I kind of got a mixed bag of it okay because I enjoyed I enjoyed seeing him back but there wasn't enough of him for me yeah. Like he wasn't he wasn't on enough of the show. Stop laughing, Bradley. He wasn't on enough of the show for <laughs> for me to be satisfied. The hashtag just changed from bring back Tony to bring back Tony more. <laughs> 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 
and I, and 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 I, I I was real upset with the explanation that he gave for his relationship with Rebecca. That part really kind of upset me for a little bit because I thought it was kind of the easy route to go of saying that they had a past romantic relationship. And then the time frame, the time frame that he gave doesn't add up with the previous series. Because he said that they were in a relationship after his wife was killed. Mm-hmm. Well, after his wife was killed, he died. <laughs> okay. That's number one. He died the same day. Number two, after he died and he was brought back to life, <clears throat> apparently the only people that knew he was alive was Emerson's crew until he found Bill and Chloe. So where does Rebecca fit into that equation? Other than that, I thought it was classic Tony. You know, the way he interrogated Henry Donovan, um, the way he acted, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, you know, goody two-shoes Tony again, but he was kind of right on the middle of, you know, bad guy Tony and good guy Tony. But just a few minor gripes. But other than that, you know, he said, he said, all right, you know, within like the first five minutes, which is what I expected. Mm-hmm. And one of one, my favorite line throughout the entire show, the entire episode was he asked Rebecca, does John know about this? And she was like, no. Well, that's going to be an awkward conversation. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that's my favorite line of the whole episode. <laughs> he was like, well, that, that's going to be an awkward conversation. You telling your husband that I'm torturing his father. Right. And, and oh, the by the way, I just happened to be your ex-boyfriend. Right. And the look, I mean, that, that Tony look, that's the thing that I was like, oh yes, there it is. That I can't decide if you were the dumbest person alive or what, you know, it's like always that look that he has where he's like, his head's cocked a little bit and it's like, all right. Yeah. So no, I agree. I think, um, you know, I kind of felt the same way. It's like, wow, I was a little anticlimactic with Tony coming back, you know, because you didn't see much of him. Nothing really happened. You did flesh out a little bit, like you said, of, of where, where the relay, you know, where the connection is, but I, I felt the same way. I was left at the end of it thinking, Oh really? That was it. Okay. So what'd you think? Yeah. How do you feel about well, Tony Almeida? Going in, um, I, I had a couple of concerns going in, um, come separate from each other. One of them was that 24 legacy as 24 legacy, as opposed to a part of 24 would be able to justify bringing in Tony to people who don't watch 24, aren't familiar with it, aren't familiar with Tony and all the background. So the exact opposite of Joel, basically. Um, <laughs> making sure that it, for people who are that, that bringing him in isn't just a, hey, look, it's Tony Almeida for the people who Woo-hoo. like 24. Woohoo. Yeah. You know, celebrate, move on. Like, it, that needs to not happen. At the same time, I was concerned on a personal level that we would see whatever version of a character Carlos Bernard played in season seven, as opposed to Tony Almeida. Mm-hmm. And in both instances, they avoided that. You know, this, you, you guys said that there wasn't enough of him. He's still in it. Obviously he'll be in it next week. Right. But I think for what, there was a point that they get to, and it's at that point that you, we're kind of okay it's tony we we like tony you know it's nice to have tony back but 
if you go much further, you run the risk of having to have all this sort of exposition to explain why Tony's there and mm. make it seem because you can't treat this as just everyone who watches this show is 24 because a whole part of what the producers were saying in the lead up to it in the month's build up was you don't have to have watched 24. So yeah. if suddenly they're bringing this character and it's why I said, you know, I was concerned about in the, before the season started, when we talked about it, that if you bring in this character, having said, you don't need to have watched 24 and then a sh- backstory. Yeah. You've got to either really explain the backstory or just don't do anything that you don't have to then have ages explaining. So I thought in that way, they did it well. Um, I, I do think they found a really nice balance between satisfying longtime 24 fans and making this a character who comes in. And, and I think his only role is really going to be to interrogate Henry. I don't see that he's going to have much of a role beyond that. So for that kind of character, they, I, th- I thought they handled him well. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I, I think, you know, based on what you said, Bradley, Along the same lines, I don't think you were going to make everybody happy with with how you brought him in because of that. Because I think I think they walked the line of yeah, you don't need to watch have have any previous knowledge to enjoy the show. But at the same time, they played up big that Tony was coming back. Like they played it up big, which naturally is going to lead to people like you and me and Joel saying, "Wow, there wasn't much there." Because mm-hmm. when you play it up big and you have all this knowledge of the background of Tony and everything he's been to the series and, and everything else, and then you see him for a few minutes and he says like seven lines or whatever, naturally somebody's going to be upset. But I think you're right. I think you know, depending on what his role is in the rest of the series, you really can't – I mean, you know, they'll flesh it out more. And I, I think there were some good lines I really enjoyed um, and appreciated. You know, And you got a little bit of the backstory with the conversation between Re- Rebecca and um, – uh, what's his bucket mullings that's it um you know where he's like what he's a criminal you know it's like why in the heck would you bring him back so i thought that was good it kind of set the stage of the type of guy he was i think it set the stage for oh wow yeah he is kidnapping henry that's interesting you know um so i i, I think you know yeah i think you're just not going to make everybody happy um but i felt the same way i felt like they built it up so big that when he showed up and you didn't really have much of him, it was like, oh, okay. Well, I would say I mean, it was a good I, episode, but yeah. I think in the context I, I of the character, I think in the context right. of the character, even outside of we, we're going to do 24 legacy, you don't need to have know anything about 24. I think just in the context of Tony, he, he's gone through so much. And that, I mean, I really hate season seven for what they did to Tony. And so if you continue that, you disappoint me. You know, you could disappoint Joel. You could disappoint. We can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But my point is that you're never going to satisfy anyone regardless of this. We're not going, we're going to do this season that you don't need to have seen 24 for. So Mm. I I think they did the best they could. Like you said, the criminal line, you know enough about him with five or six lines that you can go, okay, this isn't for legacy for one episode. It's not a particularly well-developed, well-fleshed out, um, backstory heavy character but it's okay he's a criminal he's killed thousands of people these guys obviously know about him he's had this past with rebecca he's a specialist interrogator by the look of it you don't need to know more than that and why there's no point in trying to go further when you don't need to know more than that right i do have a couple of bullet points um number one 
they said that Tony was going to be in much of the back half of the season. So I think he's going to do a little bit more than just interrogate Henry Donovan. Um, I hope so anyway. <laughs> Number two, he did say in interviews that he had some interactions on screen with Eric Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would that would insinuate, at least in the interim, that he's probably going to be going out into the field. Um, and number and number three, you said and this is this Sorry, is a, done. <laughs> <laughs> and number three, because I'm bucking the system. <laughs> number three, he also said that a prison will be explained later in the season, and we didn't really have no explanation of that in the last episode. Mm-hmm. As far as do how he got out, how he's walking free, and how you know as soon as Mullins found out where he was at, why he didn't put him in handcuffs. That will be interesting because obviously Rebecca <laughs> knew how to get a hold of him. I mean, so you're in contact with this criminal. So she just called him on the phone. It'll be interesting to find out find out the story there. I did also like the line, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but the the essence of it was. You know, Henry said something like, you can't do this. And Tony was like, well, this isn't CTU. What was that exact line? It was great. He said, I already, I already went through all this at CTU. Right. And he said, well, this isn't CTU. <laughs> and just that matter of fact, Tony, <laughs> Tony, uh, way he phrased it and the way he looked at him, it was like, oh, this isn't going to go well for you, Henry. You should it, probably just, just <laughs> tell him everything you know now. <laughs> it's, the con- it's the contemplative kind of. Almost not slow, but slower delivery of, well, mm-hmm. and then continuing with the line. That was just yeah, quintessential Carlos Bernardo's Tony Almeida. Yep, and the his explanation. <laughs> it was kind of one of those. It was kind of one of those. You're you're incredibly naive, right? <laughs> do you know what I do? Do you understand why you're here and why I'm here? <laughs> and I loved I loved his explanation of what they're going to do. We're going to give you this agent. It's going to make you feel like your skin's being ripped off. And then if you tell us something, we can give you a reversing agent. You know. No, my, my, my favorite part was after he said that, when he said it's going to feel like the skin is being ripped off of your body and it only goes downhill from there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part. The content of that whole thing was very different, but it kind of reminded me of when he was um, interrogating Dina Arats in season four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So, um, Tony, there, there's the Tony part. Um, what do we, what do we, what do we think about? Yeah. And that, and that did take, take up quite a bit of it. Then you had the conversation between Eric and Andy. Um, Joel, you were right. Turns out Andy was the one he took with him. So, <laughs> well, you know, it's, I'm, I can't take full credit for that. I mean, I did see the promo before the podcast. Well, I'm that's like, that's what did. happens when you don't watch it live. Then like, I forget to go watch the promo. <laughs> like I just watched the episode and I forget to go watch the promo for the next, next episode. Um, so anyways, you had, you had, you had that conversation with, with Andy and Eric where Andy's like, I do not want to die. Like I'm not, I'm not down with that. And Eric kind of convinces him and, you know, kind of encourages him. What, what do we think about that interaction? Yeah. I think it was more like Jack Bauer, who, you know how sometimes Jack Bauer convinces otherwise unwilling participants to go along with his plan um, by saying, you know, we're probably not going to make it out of this. 
but I will do everything in my power to make sure you're okay. Because mm-hmm. um, Jack Jack was always more willing to sacrifice himself than to sacrifice other people. Right. So I think it kind of reminded me of that when when Eric and Andy were talking, um, because Andy, you know, he doesn't want to die. He's not he's not built for this stuff. He's not Chloe. You know, <laughs> he's not built for this kind of stuff. Um, which I don't think Chloe so was think, to begin with either. So, I mean, I think, I think that was a, a progression you, between, you know, with Jack pushing her into it over and over again. <laughs> I, I, I just, because he was the only one that, that could do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was necessary to have him out there. Um, but I could see, I could see the hesitation in that, you know, he's not one of those that's willing to, die to save the country right he wants to help the country he just doesn't want to die in the process he wants to do it behind a desk at ctu yes (laughs) which as history shows this isn't necessarily the safest place but hey (laughs) but i think i think they found a really nice balance between making it clear that andy doesn't want to die you know he had the line later on to uh to lock where he said look if you've got a better solution come up with one because i i don't want to die but at the same time I think they established quite well that, okay, he doesn't want to die, but he's not completely averse to dying here if, if as Eric says, this, is, this allows him to make a difference. It allows him to save hundreds of thousands of lives right. who otherwise are in serious danger. I think that, that appeals to him enough that actually, yes, you know, he doesn't want to die, but this is heroic. This is a great way to go out. You know, he, he's about to lose his job. He, um, <laughs> Tom doesn't want to be with him for fear of losing his job. Right. And like, this is a really great way. You know, he talked in the last episode about how he has courage. It, it took courage to, uh, yeah. to give Eric the, spe- the specifications to go and sell to Gabriel. And this is him proving it. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, his, his his anxiety and his awkwardness and all, all the other traits that we've seen from him in these sort of six, seven episodes have gone a long way to kind of, I don't know, maybe mitigating some of his successes. And this, he gets to go and do, he gets to choose what he does here. He gets to go and help a lot of people in one really brave final act. And, you know, that, that, that's, that worked. That really worked yeah. for me. I agree. I think it was good. I, I do think when when they get there and they're meeting with Jadala and Carter puts the gun to his head, I, I feel like he might have had second thoughts a little bit. Like before that, it's like, okay, pretend like I forced you to be here. At that point, I think Andy's like, no, you're forcing me to be here. Like, I do not want to be here with this gun pointed at my head. <laughs> well, yeah, th- there is definitely an aspect of I don't really want this gun pointed at my head. Right. But And all the other ones pointed at me, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like... He was probably assuming that this was going to be the case. Right. Because, I mean, you don't walk into a meeting with a bunch of terrorists and not... Somebody tells them going to get at you? Yeah, that, that, that doesn't happen. <laughs> I, uh, I do want to make a comment, though, about... Okay, I want to make one. a comment about... Because we haven't really discussed this in the previous episodes, um, about how sensitive 24 is... You, we are. We already talked about how Twenty Four addresses real life issues. Yeah. But I want to comment on how that how sensitive they're being, and I admire this. How sensitive they're being to the 
LGBT issue that goes on because this is a real life, you know, issue. People, Mm -hmm. there's hundreds of thousands of people out there right now that are afraid to let their employers know that, you know, they're homosexual or bisexual. Um, And I think that them, them addressing that because, you know, Locke doesn't want to be with Andy for fear of losing his job. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a real issue that, you know, I, I admire how sensitive they're being toward it and how they're addressing it without being disrespectful to an entire community of people. And I just thought that, especially in the, in the last episode, um, I just want to, I just, I thought that that was very well done how, you know, they're addressing the issue, but not, you know, I want to say disrespecting the issue. Kind of well, like, kind of like the Muslim community thought that they were doing toward them at the beginning of the season. I think too. I mean, you know, and we've talked about this, and and I agree with you. I think the, the really good thing that the writers have done is they've presented these issues that are are important issues and hot button issues without taking a side either way. You know, they're bringing it up, but they're not they're not pushing an agenda either way. You know, they're just saying this is something. You know, this is part of life. And I, I think that's really awesome because, I mean, you can watch some shows and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, re- regardless of, of which side of an issue you're on, you could watch a show and they could be pushing an agenda you don't like. And it gets really annoying because it takes away from the story, whereas 24, I think, has done a really good job of saying, this is an issue. Talk amongst yourselves. You know, we're not going to push you one way or the other, um, but this is an issue. This is something that happens. And so I think you're right. I, I, I really have been impressed with the way they've done that with with several different issues. Um, and <laughs> And I think it's... I think it's been done really well. I think you're right. Mm, I've been impressed by it as well. Although I'd say it's perhaps been more favorable to Andy. You know, we've seen a lot more screen time with him. We've mm-hmm. al- almost seen his side of the argument a lot more than we have locks. Um, but I, yeah, I think they've handled it pretty well. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be, I'm not complaining about anything that they've done really. And right that's kind of, I, I don't know. I, that's, that's good. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I was just thinking about Henry a little bit more and his conversation with Luis, you know, when he calls and says, I'm coming home or whatever, like I'm really getting this sense and correct me if you get, or, you know, argue with me if you want, Joel, but I, I'm really getting the sense that like Henry's just doing what Luis tells him to like over and over again. It just seems like it's like, okay, I'm coming home. What did you tell him? Nothing. I promise. You know, it was like that kind of thing where it's, it's, it's getting more and more like, I don't think Luis is in charge of everything, but he's certainly in charge of Henry. That's the way it seems to me as I'm watching that. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? You always think I've been, I've been, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to word this. For the people listening to audio, you can't take too much time. They'll, they'll lose interest. Come on now. <laughs> I think, Mark, that, you know, I thought all along that Henry was a lot more involved than he's letting on. Um, mm-hmm. I think of it as a situation of President Logan back in season, what was it, five, that the whole conspiracy came out? Mm-hmm. I think because President Logan was the man on the ground that was handling everything. Mm-hmm. But 
Graham and his group of people were orchestrating Logan on what to do at all times. Logan, Logan, was, Logan was doing all the dirty work, but Graham and his people were pulling the strings. So I, th- I think Henry is, is basically doing all the dirty work, but I think Lewis and the people that Lewis works for are the one pulling all the strings. So he's not, you know, Logan wasn't an unwilling participant. He knew exactly what he was getting himself into. So I think Henry knows what he's getting himself into, but he has a purpose for doing it. Like Logan had his purpose. Henry has his purpose for doing it. So once that, once that purpose becomes null and void, I think he's going to try to pull out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the conflict's going to come in at between him and Luis. Because Luis works for people too. And, the, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure the people that Luis works for aren't going to want to hear that Henry no longer wants to participate. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Bradley? Yeah, no, I agree. I think we saw in the fourth episode when uh, Henry told John everything in just with, with virtually no propagation. And then Louise came in and he was the one trying to control the situation. Henry had no idea. He was all prepared to... I think if Louise hadn't come in, he would have just gone and told CTU everything. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's clear just from that, even if you discount the fact that Louise told him to go and deny everything, that he calls Louise the second he's walking out of CTU, that Louise is the one wondering where he is. Even if you discount all of that, the fact that Henry would have probably gone and just told CTU everything suggests that he is not a master criminal. He he has got no... I don't want to say no major role in this, but he's got no real leadership, no decision-making role in all of this. There is definitely someone higher up than him, and I, I would agree. I, I don't think it's Luis. I, I think no. there is going to be someone above him, controlling him, controlling Henry. Um, and I would assume that... I, I don't know. Do we think that what he told John about doing this to save his campaign was true or just a smokescreen for a larger agenda? I'm still trying to figure out how giving up army rangers to be killed saves his campaign. Right. That's what yeah, I'm there trying is to figure logic. out. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have to do a lot better explaining it than that. If that's going to be the reason. Um, but no, I, I agree with both of you guys. I, th- I think he's definitely a willing participant that that wasn't my, my, what I was saying, but um, you know, I, I think you're right. I think it's, he, he's told what to do and he does it. And when there's no script because he doesn't know how to respond, he immediately rolls over and says, here's what's happening. They <laughs> did it for you. You know? <laughs> and so, so I guess my question, here's, here's a, you know, we're not quite to predictions yet, but here's my, here's my question. And I love your predictions. How long does he last in a room with Tony and Cedra? Like how long before, how long before he tells everything? <laughs> because I don't think it's going to be very long. <laughs> Five seconds. <laughs> right. Less than an hour. I was surprised when, when she put the needle in his arm just to take blood that it wasn't like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you everything. <laughs> I cheated on my taxes last year. Um. <laughs> and, then, and when, and when that, and when that happens, I think that's when Luis will get himself and the equation because remember john still doesn't know that Luis had anything to do with this uh-huh. john still thinks that Luis has no idea what's going on 
It was pretty status. good. That was pretty good on Luis's part, though. Like he had, he knew something was going on, and he knew that he could still kind of, maybe not completely direct what John does, but kind of push him in the right direction by saying, "I'm really worried about him. I, he hasn't got here yet. They released him, you know," and and kind of push that into John's mind of trying to figure out what's going on, um, because I'm sure he knows that, you know. Somewhere somebody is trying to get some sort of information out of John <laughs> or not of Henry. I mean, and uh, he probably also yeah. knows that depending on who they're getting, Henry might not last very long. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. I think the more pertinent question is not how long he lasts. It's does Tony actually inject the need or is it a he's about to inject it? Okay, okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Right. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Well, I think, um, <clears throat> go ahead, Joel. I said, well, again, you know, I'm guilty of watching the promo for next week. Me too. And, I watched it this and, week. <laughs> oh, amazing. And then in the promo, mm-hmm. it looks like when he's asking Henry a question, it looks like Henry is convulsing a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of makes me wonder, is, has he already got him with the needle? Because yeah. it looks like Henry's either convulsing or he's about to have a seizure or <laughs> something. But Henry doesn't look right when Tony asks him the question. Mm-hmm. Wonder if maybe he's already done it. I think we'll see some interesting, interesting interactions in the next episode between uh, John and Rebecca, um, but also not necessarily you know directly between John and Henry, but in John and John's view of Henry, um, because I think he's going to be there obviously as as some of these questions are asked and some of the information that comes out while John's probably not happy of how they're getting it, especially being, you know, a seating U S Senator or a seated U S Senator watching enhanced interrogations, uh, you know, but I, I think it's going to be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the interaction between him and Rebecca, when he shows up and also interesting to find out what, whether he knows about Tony like knows Tony's past with his wife or not and how Tony and John's interaction is like, I feel like the next episode is going to be a lot of John being central in it. Mm-hmm. Well, if you remember back in, um, I think what was it? Season four when, uh, you know, James Heller interrogated and they were using those enhanced interrogation methods mm-hmm. at first you know, Helen was appalled by the mere thought that his son was being tortured. Mm-hmm. He went in there and talked to his son and found out that his son was withholding information. Turned around and walked out. Then he said, uh, Curtis, <laughs> Curtis, can you come in here, please? <laughs> and he basically authorized Curtis to do whatever he needed to do Carry to on. get the information out of his son. <laughs> so I think it's, I think it's going to be a similar situation. I think John's. Well, and John's already Henry. proved that. Yeah, he's already proved that, that if Henry's doing something that's illegal, that he's more than willing to say, go for it, <laughs> you know, yeah. arrest him. Take him to I'm going to you one more, I'm gonna give you, I'm going to give you one more chance to tell, to tell me everything I need to know. <laughs> and then when he says no, he's probably going to sign off on Tony doing whatever he needs to do to get the information. I could see him kind of begging a little bit again, you know, dad, just, you know, stop this. Like, just tell us what, tell them what they want to know. And it'll be interesting if Henry has the, the wherewithal all again to stare at his, look at his son and lie straight to his face and say, I, I don't know what you're talking about. 
That'll be difficult when you're convulsing, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I you think, probably uh, won't be convulsing at that point. Right. <laughs> Short time later, though, I think. So do you, do you think John knows about Tony? Not about Tony, but about Tony's relationship with his wife. Uh, or almost wife. I, hmm. I, I would say that that depends entirely on when... First of all, Rebecca and Tony stopped seeing each other and when Rebecca met John. Because if she met him, sort of, say, three months after day seven, she's probably not going to admit that (laughs) she had a relationship with the guy who just tried to kill hundreds of thousands of people in Washington, D.C. You would probably omit that, yeah. I would think. So, but but if if she met him before day seven, then... Perhaps. probably might know i don't know i mean you would think that that john well, with, with the clearance he has no i mean he has to know who tony almeida is i mean yeah. we've already proven that mullings yeah. knows who he is like anybody in you know anywhere in the <coughs> knows and understands who he is so you walk in and you're like whoa whoa hey <laughs> i know that guy regardless of whether he knows their interaction you know their their connection i mean obviously rebecca's the one that brought it well, remember but remember, during day seven, Tony's told Jack that, you know, before the day, I did a lot of bad things. <clears throat> and then when he was strapping the bomb to Jack's chest, he said that, you know, it took him three years to find him, another year to get him to meet him face to face. So by that time frame, we're talking about four years before day seven that he was basically doing bad things to try to get Alan Wilson by himself. So unless unless somehow when he was brought back to life, that's when he met Rebecca. I don't see. See, this is what I'm talking about. The time frame doesn't match up. <laughs> okay, so this is this is the part that's getting me. Okay, I can't answer the question because the time frame is off. <laughs> I'm trying. To <laughs> so yes, I'm sure he probably knows. I have no idea because the time frame that they're giving me is so off that I can't even answer the question. In a logical manner. <laughs> is that Joel at a loss for words? <laughs> I think it is. Wow. I am befuddled. Make a note. <laughs> Make a note. <laughs> um, so we haven't talked much about, uh, well, we talked a little bit about it, but, you know, Eric and Jadala and that interaction, um, the, the trading of prisoners. I feel like Jadala gave up Nicole and Isaac a little bit easily. And obviously afterwards, like he says, go find them and make sure they're dead, uh, essentially. But still, like, I'm like, really? That was that easy? Wow. That's like the, the, I think it was the more of a setup. Yeah. Go the, the, go, the go and find him and kill them thing is what prevented me from having quite a long rant in my piece. Because, <laughs> like, we, we've seen so many. Went... <laughs> go on. I was just going to say, I can see Bradley watching the episode and be like, oh, yep. uh, okay. All right. Yeah. We're good. Like, <laughs> we've seen so many trades on this show where, um, you know, you get like the Saun- the Stephen Saunders, uh, his daughter and Michelle in season three, uh, Baruz and Jack in season four, where every time it's walk towards and walk past each other in the middle, walk at the same time, that sort of thing. So they each get what they want. Of course, with this, it's much more complex. They need Andy to program stuff. And... So, I, kind of going in, I was curious as to how they were going to execute this trade at all. And as it's playing out, 
Nicole's going. Isaac's going. He's let him go. I felt that when he got out of the van, I thought that he was going to do something sinister to Isaac. Mm-hmm. But then he just lets him go. And the whole time I'm wondering, okay, but what does Jad do now if Andy doesn't recover the sleeper cell files for him? Like, he mm-hmm. has no leverage. He's just given it away before right. he even has Andy and Eric in his custody. So where's the solution? Of course, the fact that he plans to kill them all anyway makes gives it more sense. So that, yeah, that saved it for me. Is he playing? I don't on... think he had any intention of giving them up. No. Yeah. Is he playing on the fact that he believes Eric is um, a man of his word? Like, I feel like he's playing on that, like betting on the fact that Eric says that he'll, you know, he'll go with them. And so he's gonna he's letting Nicole and Isaac go, knowing that that's gonna happen. I don't know. Yes, but then the problem is that he knows he'll go with him, but it's a case of Eric is planning on not helping him. So you know you got to obviously have the insurance for that, which, as we know, is going to be killing Nicole and Isaac. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. I think. I think he. I think he's. Like I said, I don't think he ever had the intention of letting those two go. I think I think he did that to kind of play at Eric's heartstrings a little bit. Like, okay, I'm letting those two go, so now you come here. Mm-hmm. I think he was kind of, like I said, I think it was more of a setup. You know, he had once he had Eric and Andy in his custody, then that's when he put out the order to have them killed anyway. And I think Eric, I don't think Eric's naive enough to think that they were just going to let him go either because, you know, he told Isaac, you know, get straight to CTU, like go there now, like do everything you can, which is interesting that this, you know, government building that's, you know, fairly clandestine, I think, like Isaac just knows how to get there. Like, I don't know if he like put it into the GPS and the pickup or what, but. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's located at the Washington Monument. So, should, tell, should tell him to go find, go find, go find Locke and and unhandcuff him, and he'll lead him to CTU. Right there you go. <laughs> but that was interesting, and I I really enjoyed. Um, I love the the development of um, you know the the interaction between Nicole and Isaac uh, when when they're handcuffed to the banister, but also the interaction between Eric and Isaac. You know, as, as Isaac's leaving, and you know they're apologizing to each other. You you get more of a sense of kind of what happened, and the fact that kind of deep in their hearts of hearts, they both feel like it was their fault. You know, whatever this fallout was, um, you have that, that sense that they're both trying to make it right. Um, they both still care about each other. They both, you know, <laughs> they're still brothers. Um, and I thought that was some good, good character development there. I thought it was, um, it, it kind of filled in the backstory a little bit more. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else to say. Well, I'll, I'll get, I'll get into this more when we do predictions. But um, I think it kind of felt like a a finale of sorts when they were talking. Mm. Like it felt like it felt like a wrap up of sorts. Like they were they were wrapping up Isaac's story by doing this. You know, the the end result was obviously him and Eric reconciling and you know forgiving each other. So it makes me kind of worried about what Isaac's future might look like going forward. 
because this felt like a natural to his story. I think kind of his whole <laughs> his whole story this episode felt like that. It, it did have a yeah. sense of finality to it. You know, he's got the conversation when he's tied up with Nicole. He's got the mm-hmm. conversation in the van, which I thought was particularly good. And I thought that was another one of those scenes that we've had quite in the same style of what we've had in the past couple of episodes where, okay, it's doing some good stuff between them, but it just, is it going to ruin it by having them have some sort of interaction that goes too far? And then he, he's like, I'll always love you. And she just, Anna Diop, to her credit, just has no change of expression whatsoever. And I thought that was perfect. Um, mm-hmm. So that saved that. But it's very much Isaac saying goodbye to Nicole, prepared for his death, as, as you guys said, reconciling with Eric. And yeah, I'm, I would be concerned for his future as well. Right. I kind of thought that he was going to do something when they're in the warehouse. I thought he was like saying his goodbyes there. So the next time they uncuffed him or something, he could like try to fight off seven men and get shot. He did kind of try. That's true. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, here it goes. You know, he's going to be the hero and then he's going to be dead. Um, But yeah, I, I, I agree with both of you. I think you close enough loops in a story and then you start, looking over his shoulder for <laughs> so that leads to the fact waiting that, waiting for him to no longer be there <clears throat> right we would assume that that they probably catch up to them before they get to ctu i mean i think i would um and whether whether he's like mortally wounded as as they like skid into the parking lot i don't know but um it'll be interesting so mm-hmm. with that let's uh let's let's jump into some predictions who wants to go first Joel, I know you got a bunch. Uh, Come on now. Yeah, I, I have a few. I have oh, a few. I have a few. Um, I think, and since this is kind of a segue from the last thing we talked about, I think Isaac dies in the next episode. I think they've closed enough loops, like you said, in his story. Like the main driving point of of his story this season was Eric betrayed him by taking Nicole from him. Mm-hmm. That was the main driving point behind his story. Now they've closed that. They've eliminated that from the equation. He's already he forgave Eric. Eric forgave him. Um, he confessed that he still loves Nicole. They closed that story off. So I think there's really not much unless he fights alongside Eric. There's really not much left for him to do this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that next episode, I don't think they're going to make it to CTU. I think on their way back to CTU, or maybe even after they get to CTU, Nicole is going to plead with Isaac to go back and help Eric because he's back there by himself, basically. And after much deliberation, (laughs) I think Isaac is going to go back to help his brother. And he's going to probably save Eric's life, but die in the process. Um, that's what I think is going to happen to him. I also think that Locke is not long for this world. <laughs> I think it may not happen next episode, but I think within the next couple of episodes, he's also going to bite the dust. And we may we may actually lose him and Isaac within the next episode. 
clips and the promo for next week's episode, it basically says that, you know, they're about to unleash an airstrike on the com on the compound where Andy and Eric are. So I think Locke is probably going to find Andy in time and probably save him. And then Locke may be inside the building when the missile hits. And, and, of course, Luis and Henry, or both, um, is working for the same group behind the events of Day 7. So you're saying we find that out in the next episode? No, but we'll find that out before the season's <clears> over. <throat> <laughs> I was just checking. Much for the next episode, you know. All right. Bradley, can you say anything? I can say stuff. I have not seen more. Um, uh, the first prediction that I have is that Andy will get shot but not die in the process of being rescued or escaping um, from Jadala's camp. The second is that by the end of the season, Rebecca will go back to work for CTU. Because this episode for me, particularly the parts where she's suggesting, um, straight off the bat, suggesting enhanced interrogation using his outside source and Mullins, Mullins is quick to kind of approve it, but I don't think it's the sort of thing he would have ever thought himself. We've had discussions on here about how, you know, the the uh, Eric Ben mission to Gabriel, he didn't want to approve, but once it started, he's like, okay, let's go with it. He, the last couple of episodes, he's not striking me as someone who's a leader, right. and I think. He, I, I don't necessarily know that he'll step down or decide that he doesn't want to do this. But I think Rebecca, between Mullins' I, I don't want to say incompetence, but sort of lack of experience and sort of hesitancies, I think. Mm-hmm. I think between that and the fact that she clearly relishes working for CTU, she clearly relishes doing this kind of work, that she's going to want to say, look, I'm going to come back. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I got one more. I want this to go live on, on, on so the whole world can see it. I think Mariana Styles is the mole at CTU. Oh, you did this one on Twitter, yeah? Because you mentioned she, this on Twitter. Yeah, because she blames the government for her for Edgar's death. It's okay. either her or Mullins, and Mullins seems too obvious for me. I thought it was Rebecca. Yeah, you're backing I'm off on still, that prediction. I said I backed off a little bit, but I'm not completely. Can't say that every character is the mole. You can't say that every character is the mole and then claim you're right. I think Eric's the mole. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I do think it's between Mariana and Mullins. But Mullins, it's too obvious for him to be the the good guy turned bad guy in two in two shows. He already did in the Flash. Why why does he have to do it in every show he's in? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he would get a reputation. Yeah. Yeah. He'd only he'd only get those roles ever ever again. I uh I have to say, like on that line before I get to, to predictions, um, I've been impressed that we haven't like they haven't gone straight to the oh there's a mole in CTU. Here's who the mole is. I mean, we're seven episodes in, we're over halfway. And nothing yet. I, I think that's good. I think I would not have been surprised had we found out who the mole was in like episode four, you know, when we started the season. So um I've been happy about that. It's like, oh good, we're not doing the same thing right away. Um in fairness, we did find out who the leak was in episode four. True. Very true. Um, predictions. Let's see. 
I predict there will be more action, more shooting. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tony dies. Eric's, Eric's gonna do some Absolutely stuff. Absolutely obvious. Uh, I th- I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go a little bit against Joel just because um well one of one of us has to be right well that's not true <laughs> there could be millions of different options but um and you know I, I'm getting used to being wrong so <laughs> hey you know what the heck I I think uh, I think Jadala's people intercept him before they get back to CTU Nicole and, and Isaac um and I don't know how that ends um I I think you know like I said earlier I could see it being a chase them down, you know, skid into CTU, barely kind of a thing. Um, as far as other predictions, I think, I think we're going to see a little bit more of, you know, in, in it's, it's been said that Cedra does a lot to, to create some mistrust between uh, Rebecca and Tony. We're going to see that start. Um, I think she's going to start trying to play them against each other. Um, I think it's mostly out of jealousy, um, you know, that that's what it seemed like so far, you know, based on her first comment of, so what's your history? You know, it's like, wait, hold on. I thought, I thought I was your one and only like, seriously, shut up. Like, you know, that's what, it, that's what it seemed like though. So I think, I think driven out of jealousy, she's going to start, you know, creating some mistrust and distrust. I think she has all the makings to make it very easy. You know, I mean, you have John coming, you have Rebecca there, you have, John's father and Rebecca's father-in-law there, who you're torturing, by the way. You have Rebecca's ex, um, who obviously they they somewhat care about each other a little bit because it wasn't, you know, Tony was like, Tony wasn't like, yeah, it just it wasn't a fit. It was she got married and that was the end of it. So I mean, you know, she he didn't. It wasn't wasn't like he said, yeah, you know, I don't like her anymore. Um, so I think you're going to see that dynamic, which we never really talked about in this episode. Um, I think she's going to play a little bit of a role in 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 things going forward just because of her jealousy and her willingness to, you know, I, I think throw There's, everything else aside for her wanting to keep Tony for herself or something. I don't know what her delusions are. There's gonna rotation at some point in the season between Sidra and Tony. It's just automatically yeah. assumed at this point, there's going to be a confrontation. So who does Tony pick at that point? I'm pretty sure it's not Sidra. <laughs> I'm just it'll saying. Be, it'll be, it'll, it'll most likely be Rebecca. Could, right, exactly. Um, <clears throat> or or Cedric could Cedric could also be working for the terrorists. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Everyone's working for the terrorists. That's right, everybody. Uh, even if they don't know it. That's usually yeah. how it that's usually how the season works out anyway. There's always like fifteen thousand people working for the terrorists and then there's like five people to fight Against them. So three, yeah. <laughs> um I think a final prediction, I don't I don't know that we'll find, I feel like we're going to find out a little bit more about who um, is, is pulling the strings on Luis. I don't know that we're going to find out who they are. Um, it, it may be, Alan a, Wilson. it may be a text message. It could be a call and we don't know who's on the other end of the phone. Um, but I feel like there's going to be some sort of uh, another breadcrumb leading back to whoever's, um, you know, behind Luis. Um, in it's going to be George Mason. <laughs> I like George. <laughs> yeah, I liked him. Just rem- remember, he remember he was on he was on the phone and and sol- he was on the phone in solitary, and everybody thought, "Oh my God, George Mason's coming back!" No, they just needed somebody <laughs> that they just needed somebody to do the phone call. That's right. <laughs> George Mason's twin if, brother. If George twin Ma- brother. That's right. It was a stunt. If George, like him now. If George, if George was coming back, they would have showed his face. Right. Yeah, it's true. All right. Anything else? 
Go ahead. Tri- I, have a, I have a couple of pizza. I know it's late in the podcast, but I have a couple yes. of pieces of trivia if you'd like it. Oh, let's do it. I, I love being wrong. Yeah. Well, it's not <laughs> questions. Well, I can oh, turn okay. one of them into a question. Um, there are a couple of pieces I picked up on because I'm kind of obsessed about this to a fault, really. Um, but a number of the, the scores that Sean Callery used this week took quite a bit of beats from previous stuff. So when Eric fights Locke, there's a bit that's the same as when Chase fights Arthur Ravens in the school at the end of season three. Oh, wow. Um, and when Eric says goodbye to Isaac, um, it uses the same music as when Tony and Michelle drive Jack out of CTU at the end of season four, um, when he's faked his oh. death, which I noticed. There are a couple of other pieces of music, um, but I could not place where they were from. So did you know that intuitively or do you have to go back and like, find I knew, it? I knew that intuitively. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Take that, Joel. I, that's how, that, that's, that's <laughs> how you been, know he's watched way too much TV. <laughs> you have been misplaced as the resident. I do. I do have one on the podcast. <laughs> I do. I do also want to say. I. I do also want to say that Spoiler TV has actually upgraded their Twenty Four Legacy renewal chances. Hmm. So I do believe that Twenty Four Legacy will be renewed for a second season. I still personally don't, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. We have both sides of it. He's going to get. He's yeah. going to. He's I think going it might be, boss. or it's it might okay. not be. <laughs> Brilliant insight, Mark. Thank you. Thank um, you. That's what my I, other piece. That's what I'm here I can neither confirm. I can neither confirm nor deny. That's right. <laughs> right. My other piece of trivia: This episode aired on March thirteenth. Do you mm-hmm. know the significance of March thirteenth in the twenty-four world? That's when Tony died the first time. Well done. March wow. 13th, 2006, <laughs> two, 2006, 2006 was the episode where Tony died. That's what wow. night it aired. That's kind of cool. Like he died mm-hmm. and he reappeared, reappeared on the same day. Yep. 11 years later. <laughs> <laughs> and an hour, hour earlier in the season. Wow. Very cool. <laughs> I like it. Mm. Anything else? Uh, I th- Great I, I, I think I'm out. That's okay. all I noticed. I'm, I'm still impressed by the musical <laughs> scores. Like, I'm sitting there, like, trying to remember if I remember hearing the music during the episode. And this guy is, like, thinking back to other seasons. And you're like, oh, yep, it was right there. <laughs> there as I said, there were two that I just cannot place. Um, and I can't you know the that they were previous? I, I recognize them, yeah. Because okay. I've got the, uh, on my laptop. I've worked... The that's expanded like, that's scores. Cool. I've watched twenty-four. Gotcha. I've watched twenty-four seasons, seasons one through nine, at least twenty times over, and mm-hmm. I still would not have been able to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Just means Bradley watched them twenty-five times. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it it is mainly just listening to the music on its own that just ingrains it in my right. mind. So. I feel like an amateur around you guys. I think I've only watched them like twice. Jeez. <laughs> I, feel like I, should, like, I, I, watched, I watched them religiously i feel like i should resign from the podcast <laughs> but that would give joel too much too much joy so that's not happening no i would oh, not have any joy in that mark because then i would not have anybody to argue with every episode that would be like tony without alan wilson that's what that would be mm. there would be no there would be no meat to the character Joel would just be a you're, regular, you're, you're, regular twenty-four pod or a regular twenty-four watcher without me. 
you're 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 Tony to my Jack. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. Yes. All right. You're turning evil best, in season best, seven. Best friends turn right. enemies. That's right. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I, I'm not going to shoot I'm, you in the hand, though. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> how about strap a bomb to to a chest or anything? No. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Feels like I'm holding out on that one. <laughs> I can't. I can't confirm nor deny. <laughs> so it's okay. Anyways, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for for listening, for tuning in and listening to our ramblings, our predictions, our insights, our discussions, our disagreements, and everything else that goes on in this podcast. Uh, we appreciate you. We appreciate uh, having this opportunity to share our thoughts on 24. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Again, as always, please interact with us on Twitter, on 24faithful.com. And let us know what your predictions are. Let us know what you think is going to happen. And uh, maybe we'll share them next week. Or Joel will make fun of you. One or the other. Probably the latter. Probably the (laughs) latter. So, all right, guys. Thanks so much for your time. And uh, we'll be back here same time, same place next week. 